Internet. Go! We are recording. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in again to another very exciting episode of HC Conversations. My name is Phil. My name is Paul. We're going to be done with that because yep. that'll, that'll make the five listeners we have stop listening. <laughs> and if you're one of those five, we love you. So thank we you. Um, hey Paul, we got some unfinished business to handle. Feffer, feffer, feff. Big F, little F. What begins with F? Well, Four fluffy feathers on a fifth of pepper fat. I would prefer you keep things as controversial as Dr. Seuss off of this podcast. Just kidding. That's a different conversation. Not going there today. We are talking... Well, we're going to get into some more serious stuff. Right, but we have um, unfinished business from before. Unfinished butter business. We have some things to report. Good news. Real good news. What is your good news, Phil? Well, so yesterday I was... Working with some butter, some Minerva Dairy butter. Shout out, shop local, all that, you know, good stuff. Yada, yada, yada. It is silky smooth and soft at room temperature. It is not hard at room temperature like some unnamed butters have been, like some big, big name butters. Big name box brand butter has been hard at room temperature, not spreadable on my toast, but Minerva Dairy just crushing it, just crushing it. It was, mwah. You know, it's okay if the butter isn't soft at room temperature if you're going to spread it on toast because it's going to melt. Yeah, it's warm. But if it's on just regular untoasted bread, mm -mm, you don't want to spread that bread, you want to spread the butter. Yeah, you shred it. Especially like if you make like some good homemade bread and you don't have good soft butter, you just destroy it. Because it's just, it's just too soft. The structural of the integrity. Unless you have properly formed the gluten. Sorry, people that have gluten allergies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so that was. You got good butter news too. I've got too. good butter news too. So another local brand, uh, Walnut Creek Foods, um, bought a two-pound Amish roll at Shady View Pantry. That's a whole lot of Hashtag butter. Hashtag Amish bulk foods. They know how to bulk food <laughs> stuff. Like people that are not Amish at bulk food store, they just don't know how to do it. It's not. It's Got to learn from the Amish. We love the Amish. Apparently. <laughs> uh, so. Their their roll butter is also soft at room temperature and just nicely spreadable on toast, on waffles, pancakes, mm. any of that. So I just, I just want something with butter on it now. So the next I will uh, get a, a roll of Hartzler butter at some point and we'll try it because that's another local brand. Um, see how their stuff is. If you Go know of any other local butter brands, we'll try it out. There There is a, another one, Greenfield Farms. I haven't tried theirs. You, see, you, you have more access to butter because you, <laughs> you live in Amish country, basically. And so it's like, oh, yeah, I can go to these different places that have this, you know, these different... Actually, it's just one store that has all well, these different butters. Just they're, they're hooking you up. They, they've got the hookup. I'm just kind of... I'm, I'm going to, to start a uh, just store. a niche store that's just like a, a butter like boutique. Butters of the world. Where you come to get, <laughs> you come to get high, high-end butters and, you know... I'd, I'd shop there. I'd probably be like a loyalty member. Yeah, a little punch card. <laughs> Buy so much butter, you get like a free stick for free. <laughs> a free stick for free of dust for you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So that's the update on the butter. Um, if you have anything to update, we'd love to hear about it. Um, but moving on from butter. <laughs> Let's talk about something a little more serious. It's Holy Week. Holy Week is upon us. It is upon us. Um, for those of uh, maybe our listeners that aren't familiar with what Holy Week is, it's the week leading up to Easter. <laughs> it sounds like really official, like, ooh, Holy Week. It's just the week before Easter. Um, but, you know, traditionally in the church, there's a lot of different things that are celebrated, starting with yesterday, Palm Sunday, and um, 
this coming Sunday, obviously, is Easter Sunday. So, right. Yeah. Wednesday is nothing special. Nothing special. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, my mind was like Ash Wednesday. Now it starts light. So we've got Thursday, Monday, Thursday, and then you've got Good Friday, yeah. and then Saturday, I think Black Saturday. I'm not really sure. It, it may it, Black it, it mimics Black, no, definitely not Black Sabbath. Um, it uh, it replays the, the Jesus life like the week leading right. up to his his um, death and resurrection. So Monday, Thursday is more remembering the last, the last supper. supper with the disciples and Good Friday is obviously the crucifixion. Saturday Jesus in the tomb and yeah. But anywho, so that's this week. So thinking lots about Jesus. We have set our face towards Jerusalem. <laughs> yes. To quote the Bible. To quote the Bible. We don't <laughs> This is a church. We don't quote the Bible. Just kidding. If you don't aren't familiar with with, uh, with us, we um, we like to joke, but we we do we we do quote the Bible quite often. <laughs> um, which was just funny, not the Bible thing, but setting our face towards Jerusalem, as Paul has said, or like um, you know thinking on Jesus, like reflecting on Holy Week. I'm just kind of like, isn't that something we're supposed to do like all the time? <laughs> not, not just, just Holy Week. But, Refocus on Jesus or Lent. Or yeah, I, mean, I digress. That's, it's good. It's good to have those reminders and sometimes like baked into the calendar, um, like a cake or pie. Not like pie, but like a cake. Good Lord of Christ. Oh yeah. Is it odd that I'm getting a phone call right now on on the podcast? Should you answer it? Should I answer it on the podcast? On the podcast? Probably not. Probably not. Um, I'll call them back. So we better get on with our conversation then, huh? Yep. All right. All right, so it's Holy Week. It's Holy Week. I was like, save us, Paul, because I don't remember what we were talking about. It's um, Holy Week, and we yes. thought it was uh, is very fitting, you know, as just the church around the world, mm-hmm. especially more liturgical traditions, but even those that are less liturgical, uh, begin to focus towards Easter Sunday, because that's like our Super Bowl event in, uh, you know, the, the Christian world. Um, you know, we we thought it was very appropriate to talk about some things that we've noticed recently in our culture and some people that we interact with, just conversations from Christians. Um, that doesn't look anything like Jesus. Right. As we talk about... Especially, like, as we are in Holy Week now. Yeah, as we talk about setting our face towards Jerusalem, as Jesus did, re- reflecting on him, like, as he's marching into Jerusalem, he knows exactly what he's going there to do. Yeah. Like, he is intentionally going there to die. Like, I'm going to die for, on behalf of, and for the sake of others. Um, and, by the way, if we're followers of Jesus, we're instructed to do the same. Hey, deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. Die to yourself, die for the sake of others, die for the sake of the world, on and on and on, right? You know, I haven't heard a lot of that recently. Like, a couple of years ago, actually, gosh, probably like 10 years ago, Kyle Eidemann wrote a book not a fan. There was another mm-hmm. book at the same time that was talking about, you know, that verse, take up your cross and follow me. Yeah. Anyone who does not cannot be my disciple. Mm-hmm. You don't hear a whole lot of that recently, especially like with the last year. And it's, it's like, no, we need to take up our swords. Take up our swords, defend our rights. And, and, and so that, that has a lot to do with what we're about to talk about as we think about, okay, Holy Week, Jesus is intentionally laying down his life, you know, for the sake of others. And we're called, he's our leader, follow him. Uh, and yet, over the, the course of the past, well, for a long time, but especially over the last week or two, um, events unfolding, conversations that we've had, it's like, with, with people that are like, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus. It's like, I'm not saying that you're not, but 
we, we need to call out, hey, that's not what following Jesus looks like. So I guess we can just start with everybody's favorite topic that we've addressed several times already in the podcast. COVID. Not COVID. COVID. One particular conversation I had was COVID. Hmm. Which is fine. Hey, you can say it however you want to. You can call it COVID, COVID. Is that like coronavirus, the Rona? NORAD, that tracks Santa on like Christmas Eve. Yeah, what's that to stand for? I don't remember. North American Aerospace Radio something, something, I something. I know that. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not. So, Paul, let's talk about it. All right. Where are we going to go with it? Where are we going to go with the COVID conversation? Well, I think one of the things that we should talk about is uh, the vaccine, because I, I've been hearing a lot about that recently. And let's talk about the some of the, the objections that are brought up and the... Uh, the deaths that are just kind of like brushed over because Christians are just like, whatever. Um, so a lot of the things that I'm hearing about the vaccine, really, you know, people are ignoring scientists and like everything going more after their political ideology, ignoring good medical science, uh, you know, talking to people that maybe have some expertise in some aspect of medicine, but it isn't immunology, virology, or epidemiology, or vaccine development, okay? Those are the experts that we should be listening to right now. Um, instead of just, hey, I know so-and-so who knows so-and-so who is this person. Okay, that's great, and you are an expert perhaps in your field, but that doesn't give you the right to talk about these other things. So we need to, to hone in on who, what voices we're listening to, and actually not find voices that agree with us, but find those voices that we maybe disagree with yes. and learn from those people yes. instead of getting in our echo chambers um, and just, yeah, not, not actually learning and, and, and growing. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm hearing a lot of misinformation out there. Um, and as followers of Jesus, we should be people that are willing to seek out the truth because all truth is ultimately God's truth, we believe. <gasps> can you say that? I can because can it's actually a very that? orthodox position. Here's something controversial. It may be a very orthodox position, but it's not necessarily a very conservative evangelical <laughs> position. Don't conflate the two. That's why I, I just don't think like okay. the term conservative. You know what I mean? It's like, like when, when we talk about theology, it's right. like, that's a whole different thing. Orthodox, love it. Mm -hmm. Orthodox is, here's traditionally, historically, how the church has viewed something. Right. Yes. So I'm with you. Go to right. Orthodox. So great. So we've been hearing you know, a lot about that. And a lot of it has to do now with how the media has portrayed the vaccine and you know, portraying it as a, a Biden administration <laughs> thing and, a, an, and a, an Biden administration victory when, in fact, the vaccine development was part of Trump's Operation Warp Speed. It was a Trump vaccine um, plan. Uh, the reason why, you know, Biden was able to come out and say, hey, we're going to have 100 million doses of the vaccine in the first 100 days of my administration is because the Trump administration laid the groundwork for that to happen, made all the contracts with these um, biomedical research firms to provide these these vaccines to the government. Yeah. Uh, and so we're not hearing that. And so people now are looking past the fact that the vaccines were a Trump thing. Yeah. They were a Trump thing, which that's hard for people, especially on the left, to say. Because yes. they're like, yeah, the vaccine is great. I'm getting the vaccine. And you should get the vaccine. But it's we don't acknowledge the fact that 
this was a Trump thing. Right. It's it, on both sides. And I, you know, both sizing is annoying because it's like, no, sometimes you need to call out something for one specific. But like in this case, it's just, it's just interesting and funny. And I don't literally mean like ha ha funny, but like kind of sadly funny that it, like on the left, people are like, so like, oh yeah, the vaccine and get it and stuff. And like, thank you, Joseph Biden. He has brought us this. And it's like, well, no, this was all mostly in place. Uh, and honestly, like the, the rollouts, you know, who should get the, the credit is mostly the governors of the states. And well, not specifically just that person, the administration, the people on the ground that are making it happen. Um, but yeah, this has been, the ball has been rolling on this since late last year. Um, since the different companies said, hey, we've got a viable product. Right. Like, okay, well, let's, let's get it out there. Um, but now, but then it flips on too. So then, then a lot of people on the right, it's like, we don't want to hear that either. They're like, no, because this is, we're not taking the vaccine now because the government's making us. And it's like, but this actually, a lot of this came from the administration that you championed as saving democracy. And so right. it just shows how ideologically driven we are, mm -hmm. that our ideologies and specifically our political ideologies is now, is, is the primary way through which we view the world. Right. Like everything is, if, if I'm on the right, on the left, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I'm conservative, I'm liberal, like that is how I will see everything. Mm -hmm. And so I can't look at anything objectively. I can't accept any kind of evidence or data that goes against that um, because it just, my, it, it destroys my whole narrative. Uh, and as we were talking earlier, like for Christians, you know, that's mostly basic, but mm, Mainly and basically and mostly is masonistically <laughs> like that. That's kind of when we do episodes like this. That's kind of that's kind of who we're talking to. Right. That's who we're coming at. And so, like for Christians, like to, to view things through your ideological lens is idolatry. Like you are putting something above Jesus and saying that's how I view the world. That's how I make decisions. And it goes even further than that because now my, my political ideolog ideological lens is now how I view Jesus himself right. and say, well, I have conservative Jesus who's all about morality and somehow conflated with personal freedom and all this stuff. Or I have liberal Jesus who only cares about social justice. And it's like, okay, stop it. That's, that is straight up idolatry. Like you cannot place something above Jesus. Right. And so as Christians, we should get the vaccine. We should. We should be the first in line to say, hey, put that thing in my arm. Do it. Give me a Fauci ouchie. Oh, is that a thing? That's a thing. I've oh. seen people have like hashtag Fauci ouchie oh. or like stickers. That's, that's uh, fun. That's fun. Um, so we should be the first ones because the thing about the pandemic and every pandemic is Christians have always been concerned about loving their neighbors as themselves. We look at how Martin Luther approached I have pandemics. Support. Okay. Um, I know we, we did it on the podcast before, but I wanted a refresher. All right. Um, so I can do it before or after you say what you're going to say. Why don't you say it after? Okay. Um, so Christians have always been at the forefront of, of pandemics and, and going and, and caring for people and doing what they can to limit the spread. Uh, and in America, we have, for the most part, a lot of Christians who are like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. And we say, you know, 500,000 people, the numbers are over 500,000 people have died in the last year from COVID-19 in America alone. And when that is thrown out, a lot of Christians are just like, yeah, but abortion. That's like, it's like, but wait, can we, can we mourn both of those things? Yes. Mourn the loss of lives from COVID and from abortions. Yes, we can 
And we should do that. Human life is human life. We're going to be consistently right. pro-life. Human life is human life. Right. And so Christians, if we're going to be consistently pro-life, that means we should be the first in line to get a vaccine. Well, I've heard about like all these variants and the vaccines aren't you know, effective against them. Well, actually, the research says that they are fairly effective against all these variants. And the, the best way to prevent more variants of the virus is to get vaccinated. Because what the, va the vaccines do is they protect us. They limit our body's ability to uh, allow the virus to replicate inside us because when the virus replicates, what do they do? They can easily mutate. Um, and when the, the virus easily mutates and we spread it, well, then we've got all these other variants. But if we're getting vaccinated, we're limiting the virus's ability to mutate and to spread. And who's been the, the population that's been most affected by the pandemic so far? The vulnerable. The vulnerable. It's the elderly. It's those with pre-existing conditions. It's the, uh, the the minorities that have limited access to medical care, or because of how the medical system has treated them, don't want to seek medical care. Mm -hmm. And so, as Christians, we should be concerned about those people. Yeah. And so, if these if we don't get vaccinated, and these variants keep emerging. Who's it going to affect? It's going to affect these vulnerable populations. So if we're going to be consistently pro-life Christians, we need to get the vaccine uh, because that's the only way that we can protect those that God cares about and those that we should care about. You know, you said something um, that, that just made me think, you know, talking about Christians, we should. And it's just interesting that I feel like we're so risk-averse as Christians now. Like, we kind of talk a big game as as followers of Jesus in somewhere as comfortable as America as it is for followers of Jesus, even though we seem to have a persecution complex. Um, like we're all like, oh yeah, we're bold, but like we are so risk adverse. Like if it's going to cost me something. And so as, as I'm thinking about that, as we're talking about the vaccine, you know, I hear a lot of like, oh, and it's, all right, it's not true, but it's like, oh, it's not, it's not tested. It's not proven. It's like there has been more research done on this vaccine than any other vaccine produced in human history. But I know so-and-so, and so-and-so knows so-and-so, and they had this reaction to it. Yeah. That, that's that that's what your body is supposed to do. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. There's so many parts of this, but what I'm on right now is like, I got to get on what I'm on, okay? Like the, the idea of like, well, it's, we'll talk about why that's not true. We can, we can talk about that as far as it's going to hurt you. But so what if it does? You know, like, like that's... That's where I'm getting hung up is just that mentality of like, is it, you can maybe say, like, I'm not sure if it's going to work. I'm not sure if it's going to be helpful. But if there's a chance that it is going to help people, even if it costs you something, isn't that what we are called to do? Right, because as we're in Holy Week, what did Jesus do? He knowingly laid down his life for the sake of others. And Christians, that's what we're called to do every day. And this is a great example of how we can do that. Like, yeah, I might not be you know, completely comfortable. I might not understand how it all works. But if it's going to help this group of people, I'm willing to get the vaccine. Because that's going to, that's laying down my rights to be right. That's laying down, you know, my, my right to do whatever I think I can for the sake and the benefit of someone else who's made in the image of God. Yeah, but they vote a different way. So what? So what? That, that whole... Like our, our rights um, and what we have, our comfort, our privileges, it's a great, I mean, it's great. Like we, let's just talk about America for a second. We live, we have great opportunity. Those of us in America who are the worst off of our, in our country are just 
Paul's left me. It's getting a little bright in the window. Like, we are better off than the vast majority of the world, right? And I'm grateful for that. And secular people may push back against this, but there's so much research that backs it up that this is a product of, like, what we consider normal Western life is a product of Christianity. Uh, that kind of, like, elevating the dignity of the individual and, and doing all those things, but it's now, like, eating itself. Right. It's like... It's, it's we've gone so far. It's like it's the, the dignity of the individual human and the rights and the flourishing that's flowed out of that has actually gone so far now that it's it's eating Christianity alive. And I'm reminded of uh, when the nation of Israel is going into the promised land and God gives them that warning. He's like, hey, you're going to go in there. It's land flowing with milk and honey. And, you know, lest you forget, it's actually me that has done this. And you start to think we have done this. Right. And it's kind of like that's playing out where it's like, the reason we've been able to flourish and have the freedoms and things that we have is because of, uh, of that kind of Christian backbone. But now because we're so comfortable, we're so obsessed with our rights, it's actually destroying authentic Christian faith. And so, and so much, everything that's being talked about today is, is and this is where I, this is what's so frustrating is I see followers of Jesus, when they come against something, their, their primary objection is not but this is what Jesus calls us to. But this is how I understand Jesus and his way from the scripture. The primary objection is, but what about my rights? Right. And the last time I checked, the minute, the moment I make the declaration that Jesus is Lord, I have chosen to lay my rights down. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have rights anymore. Um, and we've kind of softened Christianity around that too. Like, well, let's not, let's not go there. Let's not talk about discipleship. Let's not, it's like, and we're reaping that. Um, so, yeah. I think, I think part of that is because, you know, that idea that, you know, I've laid down my rights to Christ, that I have no rights, comes along with some baggage in our culture because it means that I am a slave to mm-hmm. Christ. And so we have said slavery is bad, which it is. Mm-hmm. But it's that idea that slaves have no rights. The only what's given to them by their, by their master or their Lord mm-hmm. is what they have. So Christians, we are slaves to Christ. We have no rights other than what Jesus has given us. And what has he given us? Also, but the great thing is we have a great master. Like right. the best Lord. Like it's like, right, he doesn't abuse us. It's not bad news. It's great because he's like, oh, here are your rights. By the way, I'm share like my kingdom. Like you're going right. to reign with you me. Are, like, you are kings and priests. You are sons and yeah. daughters of the king, which is... In laying down our rights, we actually get something even better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we've, we've lost that. Okay, so back on the COVID conversation. Um, let me read Martin Luther's quote yeah. to remind us. So Martin Luther, the great uh, reformer, the one that started the Protestant Reformation, that, the Protestant Reformation, that pointed out all the flaws with the Catholic Church, yes. who is heralded by many evangelicals um, today. We ignore We're some, all excited. some parts about oh, it's him. Reformation which, which, it's Reformation which, Day. It's Reformation Day. By the way, Martin Luther was not perfect by any means. No. no. He was very anti-Semitic. Um, that's going to be a podcast one of these days, yeah. actually, about like Protestant Christians today. We like we celebrate like it's like we, we hinge everything on like the Protestant Reformation and the reformers. It's like okay, they were trying to work this out. Like we are, and they had some issues, just yeah. like we do. All right, so let's not be all like Martin Luther, John Calvin. We love you. Okay. Anyway. So this is Martin Luther. This is during like the plague um, and, and how Christians, how he 
so was like, hey, this is how Christians should, should respond. This is how we should live. And here's what he personally was doing. He said, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Yeah, faith over fear, faith over fear. Okay, sorry. I shall ask God, hey, I'm trusting God. I'm asking him to protect us. And then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order to not become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me, and I have done what he has expected of me. And so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. And so he's like, look, I'm, I'm going to love people. I'm going to do everything I can do. I'm not going to be afraid, but I'm not going to be stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm not intentionally going to go spread it and put other people at risk. I shall fumigate. I shall help purify the air. I shall administer medicine and take it. I shall get vaccinated if there's a vaccine available. That's my translation into what we're dealing with today. Thus saith Martin Luther. Yeah. <laughs> Again, he's a, he's a flawed man. But it's like there's a mentality among Christians today uh, where this was never the, the way that Christians thought. No, it wasn't like, even part of the conversation. We're like, no, this is just how Christians have always been. Our, it's all about our rights and standing up for Jesus. And it's like, no, no. Like, this is the posture of historic Orthodox Christianity of... I mean, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to love my neighbor. But if my neighbor needs me, I'm going to put myself at risk yeah. and go love them. Yeah. And so talking about COVID, hey, I'm going, to do, I'm going to distance and wear a mask and do the things that need to be done. I'm going to get a vaccine. I'm going to encourage others to do so. I'm not going to just willy-nilly go and like hug people like in spite, like, ha, 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 you're wearing a mask. Let me get really close to you. I'm not going to do those things. However, if something happens to my neighbor and they're sick, and they've got no one to take care of them, I'm going to bust down their door and help them and not be afraid for myself. Right. Um, and and you, you see that posture of, it's not about me. So much of what we're talking about around the conversations today for Christians, it is about us, not about our neighbors. Um, I mean, even the conversation, and, and this might get us into trouble, like the whole church opening thing, like... We've gotten some looks by people. I mean, no one has like really outright said something. A few have, yeah. but when it's like, so are you guys all like, no, we're not. We're not back at church yet. We're just now coming back. We're coming back this week, and they're like, like change the conversation because they're like, oh well, why, why? I'm like, because you guys are afraid. Like, no, we're not afraid, but <laughs> I feel like, like as, as some of the metrics we look at spiritually, we have grown during this time mm-hmm. in coming back. Wouldn't have accelerated that. It wouldn't have done anything for our neighbors. Right. So that's where we're at on that. But yeah, like, do your part. It's not a government conspiracy. It's not a control tactic. It's not. And even if it is, it doesn't. That's not an excuse to not love your neighbor. No. And it's not. By the way, like the science is very, 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 very good on it. Like very good. You're, you're just saying, I'm, I'm getting worked up now. I know, you know? you're right. I'm just like, man. I'm like, I was having a conversation with someone who was like saying, don't get the COVID vaccine because what it does, it, like, it doesn't just kill the, the, 
the COVID, you know, in you, it kills all like your antibodies and stuff and it ravages your immune system. And I'm just like, that's not how vaccines work. Like, I just, I mean, flat out, that is not how any vaccine works. Vaccines don't kill things. Your body kills them. They tell your body, hey, there's, there's a foreign invader here. So let's have your body do its own natural thing and make antibodies. Mm-hmm. Like, but that's just made me realize there's so much of this information out there. And like, well, we don't need to be, same conversation, we don't need to be working on a vaccine. We need to focus on herd immunity. And I'm like, herd immunity is, is not a tactic. It's the end goal. And there's two ways that you get there, either through a vaccine or people naturally getting it. And so it's like, uh, and, and like what you said, kind of you're getting at, like what we like to do is we like to choose the outlier and say, well, I was listening, there was a doctor. There was this one doctor who said it's bad. That's great. And for every one that says it's bad, I can present 50 or 100 that say you should get this vaccine. Right. And so instead of, and we should study the outliers, we should look at them and say, hey, why, why I mean, you do any kind of experiment, you get an outlier, you're like, huh, why did that happen? Let's figure that out. But you don't write off the, all the rest of the data you have because there's one outlier. Yeah. And it goes back to, again, we're, we want to see everything through our, our ideological narrative. Like, this is my narrative. I have to find evidence that fits my narrative. Right. And let's, I mean, let's think about that. Okay. So you're giving an example of like maybe five people that you know or have heard of that have had this reaction. Well, first of all, that's what your body should do as it ramps up its response and your, your body goes into the hyperinflammatory phase. Um, but let's think about the fact that almost 100 million people just in the United States alone have been vaccinated. 100 million doses. And there haven't been any deaths linked to it. There haven't been all these other problems that you keep hearing that the vaccine causes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this is like, yes, this is uh, this. They had incredible, um, you know, trial data from this to to show that it was effective and safe. And now we're on an even bigger social experiment with this, that is with the mass inoculation of people. So. I think I think I think we're done with COVID unless you need to no, say something. No, is this funny because you said mass inoculation and again, so short sighted in like our historical kind of context in terms of you, you were talking before this is not the first time that there's been mass vaccinations. George Washington like, George Washington intentionally made his entire army get yeah. the smallpox vaccine, which it wasn't really a vaccine. It was no, like, they took pus from another person. They cut you and well, put, I mean, smeared the pus on you. It was a very primitive <laughs> vaccine. Like, we give you a small dose. Hopefully, you don't die. Right. Because like, this was George Washington, okay? This is like the founding father and if, of democracy. If our <laughs> government forced people oh, to get the COVID vaccine God. today, like George Washington did with his army, it's like... Yeah. Communism, socialism, or no. We, or we vaccinated for polio or smallpox or any of the host of diseases that are no longer an issue. I mean, again, nobody forced that vaccine upon you. It's like, no. you just choose to get it. No one's forcing this one upon you either. So, like, the line of, like, they're making us do it. They're not making you do it. No. You should get it. You should get it. Okay. Anyway. All right. So, that's it for COVID. That wasn't, I mean, that's not going to stir the pot. This, this is just probably going to stir it even more. No, it's like whacking the hornet's nest. Yeah. Like, we're just like, like okay, a that one stirred the pot a little bit. Let's, let's get a bigger stick. Let's smack that hornet's nest. It, I, I mean, I want people to know where we're coming from. We're, we're coming from this as followers of Jesus. There's a certain crowd that they're going to hear this, like the liberal, Marxist, whatever. 
I would still put myself very much in like the conservative camp in terms of like, I, I see the world through a pretty much, well, no, I'm just kidding. I see the world through Jesus lens. Politically, I lean more conservative. But <laughs> by saying you should get the vaccine, I'm gonna be called a Marxist. <laughs> it's just crazy. This is the world that we live in. Okay, anyway. All right, you got something that you wanna share. I do, and this, this actually bothered me more than the vaccine thing. This is a little bit fresher. Um, and something that I've been chewing on for like the last two weeks is, and again, as we, we approach Holy Week and Jesus laying down his life and, and being executed willingly for the sake of others. And over the past two weeks, there have been two major news stories of just mass violence in the country, mm-hmm. um, two like kind of mass shootings. One was uh, in, in Georgia, um, the guy that went in and uh, shot some people in the massage parlor, the Asian massage parlor. Uh, I don't remember how many people died. I think it was like six, eight. Eight, six to eight. Okay, mm-hmm. eight, eight people. And then there was a mass shooting uh, in Colorado at a grocery store. Uh, and so we, we have these catastrophic events, loss of human life. And the thing that really disturbed me that, that brought the thinking on is the, like, the immediate response by most Christians that, that I saw on social media is not one of, of remorse, of weeping, of mourning, of prayer, of anything like that. The immediate response is, I need to post things uh, that defend my Second Amendment rights. And I'm like, can, can, we, can we separate the two? Can we, can we like... How about we don't talk again about my rights or what we're talking or like oh, let's have the gun debate and all that. I, I mean that's important and that should be talked about. I'm not saying that we just you know pie in the sky. Let's not talk about problems because gun violence is a real problem. We need to address it and there's different viewpoints, conservative and liberal, and how we do that. But can we before we get into that? Can we just say let's stop for a minute and as as people of Jesus recognize that people have died. And can we mourn? Can I, can I wait five minutes before posting on social media about, yeah, come t- I dare you to come take my guns? Like, we, we talked about it at the beginning, you know, 500 million people have died of COVID or whatever it was. 500,000. 500,000. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm conflating. You heard it here first, folks. But like 500,000 people died of COVID. And like, what about abortion? It's like, okay, but if we're going to be pro-life, if we're going to say every human being is made in the image of God, can we stop for five minutes? And like, understand that God is mourning. This is just popping into my head, so it's probably going to get me in trouble. Actually, it won't, because I know our people. They're wonderful. Uh, God is mourning a lot more over those people who died than he would be mourning if somebody came and took your guns. Just saying. Like, priorities. I'm not making a political statement. I'm not saying how we should address the problem. It's a separate conversation. But can we not celebrate violence as followers of Jesus. Yeah. Would you like to add anything? No. You sure? Yeah. You Keep going. I have a conversation. I mean, I'm going to get to this, but I feel like... I have nothing to add. Like, you, what you, you said is just like... If you don't add something, like, the temperature is going to keep rising and I'm going to end up, like, half yelling, half preaching. Right. This I'll, I'll pour some water and you cool you down. <laughs> that would just get weird real quick. <laughs> Uh, but and and I say a celebration of violence because that's what it is. Like 
more I follow Jesus, the older I get, the more uncomfortable I am with violence. You know, I was talking about uh, hearing the song, little kids singing the song, I'm in the Lord's Army. And I'm, I, was, I was telling Christy, like, I hate that song now. Because, like, it, first of all, it blends this picture of nationalism and Christianity. Like, oh, I may never fight in the infantry, shoot the artillery, something in the cavalry. I don't know. It's like, ride in the cavalry. Ride in the cavalry. I'm like, first of all, okay, it's a blending. And then it's just like, but hey, I'm in the Lord's army. And what we tie to that is, I can do violence for God. When really what the significant meaning of that should be is like, no, I, will, I won't ever do those things because I'm in the Lord's army. And because that is something that Jesus looks upon and says, no, like, no. You're not, you're not taking another person's life. And, and I mean, even like we are in the Lord's army, and it's a, it's a completely different war. That like after Jesus comes and the, the apostles in the New Testament, they reframe this and say, yeah, you're in a war. It's a spiritual war. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against the powers and principalities that are holding people captive, that are destroying people's lives. You fight against that. Right. And because you're in a spiritual war, what do you do? You pray for your enemies. You bless. You don't curse. You turn the other cheek. Yeah, you, put on... you don't use Babylon's ways, the ways of violence, to overcome violence. Instead, because it's a spiritual battle, yeah. use spiritual forces. Use, really, use yeah, prayer. We talk about the armor of God. Like, the armor of God is more than just a cute little thing that you teach your kids. It's... We're in a spiritual war. This is how you fight it. Like, it's just... This is how I fight my battles. You don't don't take up your sword. Good golly. You turn it into into plowshares. Plowshares, yes. Pruning hooks. You bring abundance and fruit and blessing instead of death. Destruction. And Jesus is like, I mean, he's like, so this is, there's some things he's cryptic about. This is not one of them. No. In the garden, Peter chops off some guy's ear and he's like, put it away. You're going to live by a sword, you're going to die by it. And he heals the man. Right. Jesus brought life instead of death. Mm-hmm. So, like, on that topic, we're, we're going to get some more of the ranting out and then we'll hopefully land at a good place. Before, go before you go. Good, um, so Jesus, you know, everywhere that Jesus went, what did he do as he brought his kingdom? He brought life and blessing and abundance and not death. And that's what we're called to bring as followers of Jesus. We're called to bring life and abundance and blessing to the people. We're called to seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. We're, we're called to bear good fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We're called to, to bring those things, but instead, what do we see in America? Because it's all about me and my rights. Well, I'm going to take up my guns, mm-hmm. and I'm going to use them to protect me and defend, and it's all about my rights and not that other person's life. And so instead, what I'm go- I'm go- am I going to do? I'm going to bring death and destruction. Mm-hmm. Right. We, kind of put our, we kind of put ourselves in the position we got them to do that. We say, well, that person is doing evil, so I have determined... That I will take their life. Right. I'm, I'm judge right now in this situation. Yeah. And, and, and again, and, and the, the instant question, and there is there's a lot of good resources on this because um, there, there's a whole, I mean, this is actually the nonviolent way of Jesus, like the nonviolent resistance that Jesus showed. Like it's, that, it, is, it is actually, people wouldn't think this because like, I thought the Old Testament God was violent and isn't Revelation violent, but like all throughout the scripture, when you look at the, the, the meta narrative, the big story, it's like, Oh wait, no, violence is never really what is condoned by God. Right. 
I would highly recommend a book from Preston Sprinkle. He is a very conservative theologian, um, well-respected biblical scholarship. The book was called Fight, but I think they retitled it. I don't remember what the new title is now. They just retitled it recently. Something about nonviolence. Something about the nonviolence resistant, nonviolent resistance of Jesus. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is a very good read or listen. And, but anyway, um, there is a celebration of violence. It's more than just the, I know that we live in a broken, fallen, violent world. Violence happens. But as followers of Jesus, we don't celebrate it. We don't invite it. Right. We don't take this, this mentality of, again, it's almost a celebration. It's almost a, ha, huh, yes, I get to get the bad guys. Mm -hmm. I get to, you, you, you show up at my house, I dare you, kind of thing. Like, hmm. That's, so there's this, sometimes when I see things on social media, I, I screenshot them just so we can have content for the podcast. And this was one that, it made me mad. It broke my heart. And it was it was, a, it was a screenshot of a Twitter exchange between uh, somebody I've never heard of. I can tell he's pretty on the liberal side, right? And from the conversation, he's some blue check dude. But he said, remind me, how many AR-15s did Jesus own, right? Which is honestly a stupid thing to say in itself. It's like, it's kind of like, it's supposed to be like a got, because he's doing a gotcha moment against conservatives. And it's like, okay, can we, can we get more than one-liners and actually have a conversation? But then somebody else replied to him, not enough to avoid being murdered by his government. And this was then, picture was taken of this and posted um, in a, a gun owner advocate Facebook group and shared and liked. I'm like, yeah! So how many AR-15s did Jesus own? And the, the, excite, the people like, not enough to be, avoid being killed by his own government, to be murdered by his own government. As if that was a bad thing. Like, as if... Oh, if only Jesus had the means to defend himself, he wouldn't have been killed. Him being killed was the point. And we're called to follow his example. Right. I mean, it's just, first, it's just, it's a stupid premise. You're saying, what, that Jesus couldn't just snap his fingers and done whatever the heck he wanted to? No, he didn't have AR-15s to avoid being killed by his own government. I'm like, no. He, he, he said, I can call down angels uh, you know, just of armies and angels of armies. Armies of angels. Whatever. You know what I mean? Angel armies. Chris Tomlin. Okay, what? <laughs> and again, Peter in the garden said, no. No, 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 no. Put your sword away. Nope. Nobody, nobody takes my life. I lay it down of my own accord. Like, I'm, I am giving my life. Nobody is... It's not about I couldn't stop myself from being murdered by my own government. I'm allowing it to happen to me. The single uh, most violent, oppressive, evil like picture of, of torture and human violence in that time is the cross, and Jesus said, I'm accepting it. it mm. So I mean, what, this, is, this, this, this is what we jump on, and we go, yeah, see, so yeah, Jesus, he, he was killed by his government. We don't want that to happen to us. We, we, we're Christians. We're not going to let that happen to us. Oh, I'm sorry. So is the way of Jesus above you? Uh, uh, you're, you're better than what Jesus modeled? Okay. Uh, that's, that's a whole different conversation. I feel better now. Good. This is like our little... You look better. This is like our counseling session, what this is. <laughs> it's just... I, and I'm not trying to act like I'm... 
that I'm following Jesus perfectly because honestly, I suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like I, I suck at following Jesus. Most of us do most of the time. Yeah. But the whole, I, like, we, we, were just, we were talking about this before we hit record. The thing, like the singular thing that really sets the Jesus way apart, and Christianity apart, it is like this nonviolent enemy love. Mm-hmm. If you take away the, the nonviolent enemy love of Jesus and remove that from the equation, Christianity's not really that different than any other religion. No. I mean, because you take that away, the nonviolent enemy love, Jesus doesn't go to the cross. You take away the nonviolent enemy love, then our, our lives don't look any different than any other person. And Jesus even addresses that. He's like, look, everybody like lends to someone if they're expecting to get paid back. And you know, you invite somebody over for dinner if you know they're gonna you, know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But here's 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 how you're different. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, bless those who curse you. In doing so, you will be called children of God because he makes his, you know, the sun uh, rise and the rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. That's what you go do. That's what sets you apart. Yeah. And that is, that is the cross. That is what we're looking at on, on Good Friday. Yeah. And so whatever, you know, we want to have the political conversation about what do we do about gun violence. Or actually, some people don't want to have the conversation, which is just stupid. Because whether you have a conservative view or a, a, a liberal view, like we've got to have the conversation. We're going to have different ideas for a solution. So, but but th- this, what we're talking about, is even separate from the political conversation. It's just as a as a Christian, how do I view my enemies? How do I view violence? How do I view the call to follow Jesus? And then, if we are you know someone who's involved in the political sphere, we want to have that conversation. I have to bring that to the conversation, mm-hmm. and I have to bring that to my solutions. Like I can't be like, oh, sorry, talking about politics now. Let me just tuck Jesus away. Let me just put him back in my pocket. Let me just put Jesus. I'll pull him out when I need him on Sunday when I'm like, mm, praise God. But on Monday, I hate you and you're stupid and come get my guns. I dare you. I'm just making people mad. You are. I am. And you know, it's okay, because we were talking about, I was like, eh, right? nobody listens to this. Someday, maybe it'll gain traction. People will listen to this, and like, three years from now, we're going to get really angry emails. <laughs> like, wait, what, what did we say? What did we say? I don't know. We were... oh. So we hope that through all this, that you're hearing our heart for Christians and for, for you to follow Jesus, and to do so in the way that Jesus defines, and not the way that you think our American Constitution defines for us to follow Jesus. Because Jesus' way is so different and radical from our way, from the way that that we would have came up with. Because, uh, yeah, if we would have wrote the Bible and, and Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, if we were Jesus' speechwriters, we would have said, okay, get yourself the biggest guns that you got and take out your enemies. Instead, Jesus said, no, 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 no. Here's, here's actually what... what the way my kingdom works, it's you're going to love your enemies. But but what about the guns? No, you you don't need those in my kingdom. You're you're going to love your enemies. But Jesus, they could they could kill you. Yeah, it's okay. I'm going to let them. I'm going to let them. I'm going to willingly lay down my life. And so as followers of Jesus, that's what we're called to do. We're called to willingly lay down our life for the sake of others. And that might mean your your physical life. 
but there's ways every day that we can die to ourselves, to our American rights, to our right to be right, to make a point. And instead, we can end up making a difference. So followers of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, try it out. Just try reading the good news of Jesus and just see what happens. But seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Thanks for, for joining us today. Um, we love if you would leave us a rating or a review on wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, you can click the like button, uh, leave us a comment. Subscribe. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to info at hopecommunityonline.org. And it'd be great to, to see you uh, either joining us online uh, for one of our Sunday morning services or on site starting this Sunday. Have a great week, everybody. 